You're listening to a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. We hope you'll find it to be spiritually edifying. Let's now open the Word of God. First of all, as we find it in Romans chapter 13, verses 8 through to 14. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. The commandments do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet. And whatever other commandment there may be are summed up in this one rule, love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to its neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. And do this understanding the present time. The hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of lights. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful natures. Let me turn to 1 Thessalonians 5, the verses 1 through 11. Now, brothers, about times and dates, we do not need to write to you, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you, brothers, are not in darkness, so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all sons of the light and sons of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be alert and self-controlled. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be self-controlled, putting our faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as, in fact, you are doing. The text for this morning is from Romans 13, verse 12. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, as the centuries have gone by since the days of the New Testament, we have become desensitized 
For the reminders in scriptures that the great day of Christ's return is coming soon. We are inclined to say what the people in Peter's days also said. Where is this coming that he promised? Ever since our fathers died, everything goes on as it has been since the creation. 2 Peter 3 verse 4. Now, if they already said this then, how many more will think so now, since another 2,000 years have gone by? Uh, I don't think that anyone here questions that Christ will come again, but to most of us it is something quite remote, quite distant. It is not often in our thoughts, and neither does it have much of an effect and an impact on how we live from day to day. Now, some will say that the apostles maybe were too excited about this coming of the Lord and that they expected it to happen very soon, perhaps even in their own lifetime. And over time, this excitement cooled down more and more until they realized that it could be a very long time. But is that so? Did they give a wrong impression Were their expectations too high? I don't think we should look for a solution in that direction, but rather in how we have interpreted it over the years. Remember, they were inspired by the Holy Spirit when they wrote their letters to the early Christian churches and for us. Some may have drawn the wrong conclusions, like, for example, the Christians in Thessalonica, and who therefore were also corrected by Paul, or those to whom Peter wrote in his second letter. But that is not because Paul and Peter misjudged the time frame of the Lord. It is how we work with the truth, and how we interpret it in our minds, which are often more affected by our own experience than the truth of the Word of God. Also, when it comes to the so-called eschatological events, the events of the last days as they lead to the return of Jesus Christ. Now, it is remarkable how often the Scriptures draw our attention to the so-called eschaton, that is, the last days, the coming events, as a motivation of how we are to live today. And that is what Paul is doing as well in this last part of Romans 13, from which our text is taken. It arouses in us the expectation of the glorious events to come, but also calls to let this affect our life today. It gives an urgency and an expectation to our present lives. Puts it all in a proper perspective. Gives us abundant reason to apply the admonition and the exhortations of chapter 12 and 13. Apply it in our lives. 
being motivated also by what we know about what is coming. The breaking of the day shed its light backward into the fading night. Life is not just a vicious circle. Neither is it just a steady flow of the same things until we die. But there are great dynamics at work in this life which is decisive for eternity. It's time to wake up, as Paul says. The moment or time is there now. Time of decision. See verse, uh, uh, verse 11. Let us therefore listen carefully to what the Lord is telling us here by the words written by Paul. And let us absorb them with our hearts and in our minds in order to be activated and recruited for the Lord's service. I preach to you, night is nearly over. The day is almost here. We'll pay attention first to the passing night, secondly to the dawning day, and thirdly to your proper attire. Now Paul has expounded the greatness of our salvation, the miracle of our salvation, and of being allowed to be part of the people of God, part of the true Israel. The great change that has come about in the people who heard and who believed the gospel. But then in chapter 12, he comes more to the point of what this is going to mean in our practical life. And then he urges us, the readers, that in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. And then he adds, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Now, one of the greatest changes being that after having received and experienced God's love, we now love one another. Love that does not want to hurt anyone. Love that is not overcome by evil, but love that overcomes evil with good. And after having pointed out how we are to live as Christian under the authorities which God has set over us, the first part of chapter 13, uh, then he reiterates the stress on love. As we heard in verses 8 to 11, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. And then in the verses 11 through to 14, the paragraph from which our text is taken, Paul adds another strong incentive and motivation why we are to show the total change in our lives. When he says, and do this understanding the present time. The hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. Understand the present time. 
Here, Paul uses a word for time that does not just refer to the chronological flow of time, minutes, hours, days, and so on. But he uses a Greek word, the word kairos, which means a decisive time, means a critical time. Becoming a Christian did not change the date on your calendar, but yet it has changed the time in another sense. It has taken you up in that stream of time that takes you to the great day, the light. Takes you to the light, to eternity. Understand the present time that you're in. Does not just mean understand what is happening around you in the world, but understand where God has placed you as his child and how you are now moving onward from the darkness of this world into the light of the coming Christ, the new world. The night is nearly over. What is this passing night that Paul is talking about? It is the darkness that fell over this world when Adam and Eve fell into sin and which has persisted for these thousands of years throughout the world. People living in sin, living in immorality, ignorant of God, not knowing who they were, not knowing why they lived on earth, groping around in thick darkness, being blind. There was and still is hatred and violence. And that darkness prevailed in the lives of all of them until they heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now God in his grace revealed himself to a small number of people before in Israel from whom the Savior would be born. And in order to preserve God's promises of the coming day and light, can say that a ray of light appeared to Israel. But as for the rest, darkness prevailed, as it still does in the lives of so many, so many parts and worlds. For many centuries, they waited for the Savior to come into the world. And finally, as Isaiah says, the people dwelling in darkness saw a great light. God's Son came to earth, born of a woman, and after having given his life to free his people, being raised from the dead, after his ascension into heaven, the Holy Spirit was poured out, and the good news is being proclaimed everywhere. Those were the great and long-expected events which have brought the end of things so much closer. Yes, brothers and sisters, the next great event is the coming, the return of the Lord. That is why we are, and the Bible speaks about, the last days. Why the night is nearly over, and the history of the present world is drawing to an end. No, the full day... 
the full salvation has not arrived as yet. As he says, it is drawing closer every day we live. So that Paul could write to the believers who had, uh, who had recently come to faith that salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. In many ways, it is still night. There's still much darkness around. And we are still drawn to darkness. We're still often groping around. We're not free from the deeds of darkness yet. And there's still a strong temptation for us. Why do we still have such struggles in our lives? Is it not because of the remaining darkness in our hearts and that we seek to hide? We seek, still seek to find pleasures in the activities of the darkness of the world. Just like party animals, they don't like it when the wee hours of the morning arrive. So are we often drawn to the works of darkness. And for the one, it's this aspect of life, and for someone else, it's another. Young people, not only them, are drawn to the literal nightlife of this world. Bars, nightclubs, graves, concerts of worldly and anti-Christian music and entertainment. The escape of drugs and other abuse sexual immorality and porn. Now, many of these things Paul already listed in our reading as being deeds of darkness, even of his days already. But these are not the only activities of the darkness of this present world. And neither are they restricted to young people. There's also greed, There's materialism, there's selfishness, there's lack of concern for others. We see evidence of this darkness in the world all around us. All the violence and terrorism, persecution, discrimination, sexual immorality, desperation. See, these are all symptomatic of the darkness, deeds of darkness. It's the nightlife of a world and people who have lost knowledge and sight of their salvation and their destination. All things that we must break with, especially since we know that the night is nearly over. Nearly over, Paul says. Yes, did he really think that Jesus' return was imminent, just around the corner? What Paul really thought, we don't actually know. It is possible that the apostles themselves did not always see it accurately either. To give an example, John the Baptist at a certain point also wonders if what he said about Jesus was really so. He said, is he the one, or are we expecting another? But brothers and sisters, this is the word inspired by the Holy Spirit. It's the word of God. 
And the Holy Spirit made Paul say this because it accurately reflects the truth. The night is nearly over. First of all, it is said in relation to all the ages of darkness that preceded this present time. Secondly, he is speaking to Christians who have received and believed the gospel. The light of Jesus Christ already is shining into their lives. They are already set on the road to the light, to the day. Yes, they are set on the fast track. There are no more delays. There's no other great redeeming events to come except for the return of Jesus Christ. The night and all the after effects of the darkness of the night are dissipating because the light is casting its rays into the darkness already from which we are being lifted. The day is dawning. You want to know how near the end of the night is? Well, any moment you can be instantly transferred into the brilliant light of the day to come. As they say, you're only one heartbeat away from eternity, as we are also reminded time and again. It can be so sudden, so close, because the night is nearly over. Sure, you may live to be 80 or 90 or more. And if you are still young, that may seem like an eternity today. For us, a lifetime, and as a matter of fact, thousands, two thousand years, is an awfully long time. But being in Christ, the day is around the corner. The night is nearly over. Think of those who have died and who now are with the Lord in his light. Even if the Lord will delay another thousand of our years in our concept of measuring time, you think those souls waiting under the altar experience it as such, as being long? We tend to apply our chrono- uh, 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 chronology to heaven's concept of life, mode of life. For that mode, for the Lord, thousand years is as one day. The lapse of a thousand years is no more than one day. In other words, the measure of time is totally relative. Now, we already have a sense of that. We experience some of that in this life. If there's one day in your life of deep sorrow and deep grief and anguish, it can seem endless. While one day of extreme joy and gladness just flies by. So when the Lord says that the night is nearly over, believe him and act, respond accordingly. Take his word for it. And don't lose a day, not even a moment of the time that he still allows you. 
put aside deeds of darkness, live in the light that the Lord is giving you by granting you knowledge of His mercy in Jesus Christ. Draw comfort from the fact that tonight is nearly over. The darkness in the world and in our lives is about to dissipate like morning fog. Tonight's nearly over. The day is almost here. Yes, the day is dawning. Just like when you get up in the morning, you see the horizon in the east lighting up. You may even see morning star. And even if you don't see a clock anywhere, you know the day is almost here. That light in the sky is not going to retreat again. But the day in the sunlight is bound to come. It's already casting its first rays into the dark sky. Yes, as Paul says, understand the present time that you're in. The present time. Now that you have heard You have believed the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that puts you on a different track. You're going to leave the night behind. You are heading for the day. See, that is not so for those who do not believe in Jesus Christ. For them, the night will not be over. The day will not dawn. The night will only intensify. But you must understand your time, the present time of you being a Christian, a child of God, and having entered in the, into that wonderful relationship, covenant uh, with God by His grace. The day is almost here. Now, the day generally refers to the day of Christ's return. It is also called the day of the Lord, as we read in 1 Thessalonians 5, where it also spoke about the contrast between night and day, darkness and light, as a strong motivation for us to live a life of faith. But in a sense, this day already dawns in this life. Just like we already may enjoy our salvation in this life. There is a beginning of eternal joy. Nightlife might still be going on in the steamy, dark nightclubs of the secular worlds without them seeing any light. But you may already see and experience the dawning of the new day in your life. The first rays of light, and you may know that the day is almost here. The hour has come for you to wake from your slumber. Paul says, to put aside the deeds of darkness. Now, the darkness is characterized by dullness, depravity, and despair. But being in the light, by learning, receiving knowledge of the truth, by sincere love and joy and laughter, 
It may or may not be long for us till the day comes, but for those who have gone before us, it is only a little while, it says. It's only a little longer. And so in faith we may know that the day is almost here, already dawning, because the Lord said so. And we already may see and experience the first rays of that light in our life, living out of faith in Jesus Christ, being comforted, being encouraged by the Holy Spirit, and knowing that the day and hour is in the hands of the most merciful and loving Father. The night is nearly over, and the day is almost here. Lastly, we will see what your proper attire therefore ought to be. For the Lord doesn't just tell you this to know where you are at, so that you can understand the present time, but so that you will all the more be motivated to live the, a life of thankfulness unto the Lord, a life of love for God and for each other. If you wake up in the morning, the night is behind you, you must also dress yourself for the day. You put on your proper clothing, your proper attire. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness, Paul says, and put on the armor of light. Put aside the deeds of darkness. Yes, those Romans also knew all about the deeds of darkness. And those new Christians were not unfamiliar with them either. I'm sure they remembered it all, as we read in verse 13. Paul says, let us behave decently, as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, nor in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy, these deeds of darkness showed and still show themselves in mainly three areas. The area of food and drink, orgies and drunkenness. The area of sexual immorality and debauchery, which is extreme indulgence in sensuality. And thirdly, it shows in dissension, disagreement and hatred. You have to leave them behind, Paul says. You cannot and you may not participate in all these worldly activities, these deeds of darkness from which you have been set free. They belong to the time that is past. But you are set on a different track, and you must understand that your present time as a Christian requires a different life, a different lifestyle. You must wake up from your slumber. You must dress for the day. For the glorious day, which is almost here and already appearing in your life. Put on the armor of light. That is your proper attire, the proper dress for the day. Now, what is an armor of light? Soldiers put on an armor to protect themselves, but also to resist the enemy. We also read about this armor of God in 1 Thessalonians 5, 
But here it is qualified as being an armor of light. Very fitting for putting aside the deeds of darkness. Light dispels darkness. Light and darkness simply cannot go together. When you walk into a dark room with a light or you turn the light on, the darkness is gone. That's what happens when you put on the armor of light. Verse 14, that is further qualified by saying, Clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ, and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. So, parallel to putting on the armor of light is clothing yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ. That is, wrap yourself in Him. Just like you were baptized, you were immersed also into the name of Jesus Christ. He is your light. He is your defense. He gives you the armor of light. It comes from Him. Be totally involved in Him because it is His day that is almost here. You are to have the appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ. Have His mind. Have His spirit dwell within you. You are to show clearly that you belong to Him. His life is to set you aglow in this world. People are to see Christ in you. See that you or see that for you, the night is nearly over. The day is almost here. Is that how you live, brothers and sisters? Whatever age you are? See, this these words of our text is not just a calling and a comfort for people coming close to the end of their lives. But the Lord tells this to every one of you. Every boy, every girl, every young man, young woman, middle age, old age, the night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness. Put on the armor of light. Let us shine and look forward to the day. The hour has come for you to wake from your slumber and be clothed with the Lord. Jesus Christ. Amen. This has been a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. For more information, please visit us on the web at www.langleycanrc.org.